What's up, gamers? I'm Tori Dominguez. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It's the podcast for people who are constantly looking at every single Pokemon and trying to determine who is the tastiest of them all. I mean, this week we we got introduced to a lot of new Pokemon, one of whom looks really, really delicious. Yeah, are you talking about the little bread boy? Yeah, the little, is it like monkey bread or something? He kind of looks like monkey bread. He's really cute. I He looks, because he's called Fido. So oh, it's I a dog. Thought, it's a it's dog. dog, yeah. So my initial thought was like, he's like phyllo dough, like wrapped into a bun or something. Or maybe he's like a croissant, but I don't know. He looks delicious. Absolutely delicious. Tell me why my first thought when I saw him was, I bet he would be delicious with like some lechonk. <laughs> hey, like, I mean, Banco Lechon, famous, famously... Uh, loved sandwich in latin america yeah. so there you go there we there go. go um do you want to i don't think it was first on our list but do you want to start by talking about pokemon then yeah i mean we've so, got a segue straight in yeah i mean so you watched the um like the presentation right i did yeah there was so we are recording this on the day of a pokemon presents with a bunch of new information about scarlet and violet the next two main series games did you not watch the presentation I basically happened while I was busy, so I was like looking at all like the tweets. You know what I mean? Ah, okay, I was I was okay. Twitter participating. Um, can I just say the professors are hot? Yeah, yeah. I gotta say I'm impressed. They went from one hot professor to two hot professors. Yeah, which, really upping the game here. He's got like he's got a fade. He's got like a, a little like beard. You know, and the like, other okay. one's got like this caveman necklace. She reminds me of like the the cave woman from Chrono Trigger, but like wearing wearing like a suit and all. I think she might be like distantly related to the cave woman from Chrono Trigger. Mm. Like I I love both of their and I like that. From what I can tell, it looks like the vibe of this game is going to be like past and future. You know, because like one of the yeah, I can see that one of the motorcycle lizards is kind of like (laughs) primal lava red and the other one is like daft punk helmet design with like purple pixel dots like stone like stone age versus like kind of cyberpunk that's kind of the vibe i'm getting i just love the phrase motorcycle lizards they are motorcycle i mean they are yeah yeah absolutely i think this is the first rideable pokemon but only at lapras well, and the the rideable Pokemon thing has been. Um, what was the last main series Pokemon game you played? Uh, Diamond and Pearl. Oh shit! Okay, so the last main series Pokemon game I played was Sun and Moon, but I did not beat it. But Sun and Moon introduced this feature called Ride. No, it wasn't Ride Pokemon. It was like I don't fucking remember what it was called, but it basically replaced HMs with like these handy Pokemon who you could just call up to do stuff that HMs did. So like instead of uh instead of needing a Pokemon to use Rock Smash, you could get access to a Tauros that you could just call up at any time and you would hop on his back and then he would ride around really fast and you could dash through rocks. And okay, break so them. this that actually makes a lot of sense because when I was watching yeah. Jesse play the brilliant diamond remake, mm-hmm. um there is areas where there's like rocks and you know, if you have a Geo dude, he would like huh he would like smash mm-hmm. and I that animation kept happening while Jesse was in these cave areas. And I was like, but you don't have a Geodude in your party. Like, where is the Geodude coming from? He's like, I don't know. Um, so that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, one of the few changes Pokemon has made in recent generations is, like, phasing out the HM system. 
and mm-hmm. like kind of eliminating the need for you to have just like some shitty guy in your party that knows cut rock smash and two other moves that are like completely useless in battle yeah. so it's it's kind of a neat change and it looks like the way scarlet and violet is going to work is you're going to have one of the box legendary pokemon as like a mount that can surf it can fly it can run really fast it's a motorcycle functionally and also a boat and a plane and you can just like traverse the environment like that and it looks it looks neat it looks really neat I it does look really cool i'm excited for this game um yeah. i know it's being described as an open world rpg mm-hmm. i have i have questions about this because i have like, questions about that too yeah because like is it open open like i'm not expecting this thing to be elden ring Mm-mm. um like in terms of size but is it going to be kind of like each chunk is open up to you but it also says there's eight gym battles and you can fight them in any order so i guess any yeah. part of this world is kind of open to you i'm just i'm just curious to see how this plays out and i hope it's not yeah. a whole lot of just like nothing yeah you that's know? my big concern. i hope it's not just giant stretches of grass yeah with and like then a small the eight town. gyms yeah i i don't know i'm a little nervous about that Especially since, like, the couple of cities that they showed, and then it also looks like you're going to have, I don't want to say a hub area, but, like, a main area to go to that's, like, the the school you go to. You're enrolled in, like, Pokemon Academy, and Mm. maybe there's going to be, like, a Fire Emblem Three Houses kind of deal where you, like, run around and talk to your classmates and that kind of shit. Cute. But, but I mean, if if they're selling, like, a cool school and a cool city here and another cool city here, like... I'm a little worried about the open world areas because I feel like a lot of open world games, you either get really cool main locations or you get a really cool open world and you don't really get both. Like, I'm not saying that the main locations in like Breath of the Wild weren't cool, but they weren't very big. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like Kakariko Village. I love that area. Yeah. It's so small. Exactly. You yeah. know? Yeah, it was and kind of maybe like maybe a Pokemon City doesn't need to be any bigger than like a Breath of the Wild location, but but I don't know. It it almost seems like they are skewing towards that type of like I know we all called Legends Arceus Breath of the Wild when we first saw it, but this almost looks like more Breath of the Wild e in that there are main locations that you go back to as like hubs and stuff like that. because yeah. it sounds like. Legends Arceus was more like Monster Hunter. So, yeah. I don't know. This I'm really intrigued by this game. Yeah, but unlike Arceus, there's this multiplayer where you can just like run around with your friends on your I know. lizard motorcycles. And that's I know. pretty fucking sick, honestly. Well, a- another thing you pointed out, too, is like you can challenge the gym battle in any order. Yeah. And they, they also said there's like three main big story elements and they didn't tell mm-hmm. us what the other two are. One of them is the gym challenge. I bet you money one of the other ones is like, uh-oh, there's an evil team and we got to stop them and that kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. The team Rocket, I, Team Galactic. Exactly. Yeah. I do really wonder though, like, if you can challenge the gyms in any order, is there going to be level scaling? Like, is oh, it, yeah, will their right. parties scale or is it like... I'm going to go fight the 8th gym leader with just my starter Pokemon. Oops, I can't. He has a full team of 6 level 80s. Like, yeah. I'm really curious to no, see how that works. No, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you when you were saying that this is the first Pokemon game that you want to buy day one. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah I it's been a while agree. since I've felt this way about a Pokemon game, but I'm I'm into it. I think the... I bought Sun Moon day one because I had a few friends who were also buying it. And so we kind of like bought into, okay, we'll all play it together and we'll all start it. 
but I never beat that one. I think the last one that I actually bought day one and played all the way through was um, the, the maybe X and Y. Because I got the Ruby and Sapphire remakes a little later. But I did play those. But yeah, maybe X and Y. So I'm, yeah. I'm really excited no, for this. No, come to think of it, X and Y was the last game I played. I just didn't okay. beat it. That's why I didn't count it. Like the last yeah, one that's I fair. beat, beat was, was Diamond. Um, but and it, yeah, it looks like uh, It looks like our new equivalent to Mega Evolution in this generation. Because every generation has to introduce some kind of like bonkers game mechanic that they'll delete in the next one. Of course. Is something called terastalizing. Did you see this in all the tweets you yeah, saw? Yeah, they become like a like a gem. They yeah. become like a crystal. I was a little confused. They become a crystal and maybe they're a different type than they were before they became a crystal. I'm a little confused, but it looks okay. I don't yeah. know. I was just imagining like the uh the potential branding opportunities if they brand with like a K jewelers type of I was of thing. literally just about to say that I'm like it'll sell necklaces. It will, right? I'm just imagining. I, I, want, my, the, I want my Lechonk bling. <laughs> the Pokemon Center exclusive charm bracelet with the terrestrialized Eevee on it. Like, I don't know. Only, only real ones propose to their girlfriends with, with this Pokemon Mega Evolution engagement ring. There we ring. go. There we fucking go. Uh, side note about all this, too. My main takeaway, I don't know if it's my main takeaway, but another takeaway I had was that Pokemon Company COO Takato at Sonomiya, I think I also said this last Pokemon Presents, but he's he's attractive. <laughs> he's a hot dude. Who's this, <laughs> this guy? Is, you've definitely mentioned this. Let me, let me Google him again. Yeah, Google it real quick. He's he's attractive. I'm like, damn, where are they finding these guys? Oh yeah, yeah, he is. No, not for sure. Yeah, who's this guy? Yeah, who is he? Well, he's the COO of the Pokemon Company. We know who he is. Yeah, I'm just like, damn. Okay, but metaphorically, like, who is? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that's the new Pokemon game. I'm into it. I, I'm into it. I'm definitely asking for it for my birthday because it comes out around that time. Nice. It'd be a little weird asking my parents for a Pokemon game for my twenty fourth birthday. I love I hope, that. I hope they just roll with it. Um, I love that, that, and that they don't make fun of me for it. But that's that's what I'm going for. Unfortunately, it's been a rough past couple of weeks for Noah in terms of uh, Star Wars games, right? Bro, there is there is trouble in Star Wars Town. Let me tell you, um, the much anticipated knights of the old republic remake that when it was announced literally seemed too good to be true is proving to be potentially too good to be true <laughs> remember when i told you tori that i don't trust a star wars game until it's like in my hands i think um, you told me that like there's a 50 percent chance like you're looking at wikipedia like discographies mm -hmm. of star wars games <laughs> and you're like Half of these never happened. So there's like yeah. any any Star Wars game, there's basically a coin toss chance that it's just never going to come to fruition. And you might so, be right. So this game company called Asper, spelled A-S-P-Y-R. These guys have been in charge for the last few years here of porting all of the older Star Wars games over to new consoles. Before that, they were pretty much just a company that ported games to other consoles. Like, in the in the mid-whatever, like, 2016, 2017, they were just porting games to iOS and that kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. if you've played Sid Meier's Civilization VI on your iPhone or your Switch, you have Asper to thank. And uh, they got taken under the wing of the Lucasfilm Games or EA, whoever the fuck is in charge of this nowadays, 
and they were porting all of the old Star Wars games, like, you know, Jedi Academy, mm-hmm. Re- Republic Commando, the first Knights of the Old Republic, and this stuff over to Switch and the other new consoles. So, initially, there was a little bit of negativity. This is last month or the month before when the Asper port of Knights of the Old Republic 2 for the Nintendo Switch drops, and it drops so busted on day one that the game is unbeatable because there is a game-breaking glitch that is unavoidable. Oh my god. Yeah, so Knights of the Old Republic 2 launches. Everybody, and Knights of the Old Republic 2 is like a glitchy game. It was it was made by um, the folks at Obsidian who do, they, they're also known for Fallout New Vegas, another game that is pretty glitchy. So like it all kind of tracks. Um, yeah, so it launches. It's unbeatable. The people at Asper are like, we're aware of this. We're fixing it. That happens. Then the news drops that, oh, yeah, by the way, they're hemorrhaging people. Um, I'm pulling all this information from a Bloomberg article from Golden Boy Jason Schreier about this. I was to say, Jason Schreier, anytime people start quitting jobs at the game studio, Jason Schreier's like, He's like, I'm on it. Up. I'm on it. So <laughs> at the end of June, Asper had finally finalized a demo to show to Lucasfilm and Sony, since this was supposed to be a PS5 exclusive or timed exclusive at the very least. But this was supposed to be, this was like a big deal. This was shown off at a PlayStation conference. So like big deal for PlayStation and the PS5. So they show this off. Everybody's like, oh my God, this looks awesome. A week later from Schreier, the company fired design director Brad Prince and art director Jason Miner. Neither responded to requests for comment but Miner suggested on social media that his dismissal was unexpected. So without a lead designer or without a, without a design director or an art director, they're kind of up shit creek without a paddle. Yeah, you can't make a game. So here we go. Schreier says, The fate of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remains unclear. In May, Embracer announced that Saber Interactive would also join the project. Summit Asper believe that Saber, which has mainly been doing outsourcing work for the project, may take it over completely. So, always good news to hear when the game that you've been working on might get completely outsourced to some other company. <laughs> also, uh, oh, God. astute gaming fans will remember Embracer Group as the, the folks that Square Enix sold off a shit ton of their Western licenses to, so... This is like the this is turning into like the Avengers of video game fuck ups. So. Yeah, they're just like absorbing everyone's fuck ups. It's incredible. So um, that's the first piece of uh, negative Star Wars news that this one potentially now joins the ranks of the the game from the what the fuck is the name of that studio? Um, the Quantic Dream. Yeah, the Quantic Dream Star Wars game that they swear up and down is going to come out, but in eight years or some bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, oh my god. Another piece of Star Wars information, this one's less negative, I guess, depending on how you feel about the prequels. Um, There was, Tori, I don't know if you're aware of this, astute Star Wars fans in the audience will know this, that since its inception, Star Wars has been a series that has always cared, to a degree, more about merchandising than it actually does about, like, story. Oh, I, I I can tell that from a mile away. How many, how much fucking money has Baby Yoda sold? Well, I mean, it's how much? How how much money? It's beyond Baby Yoda. Like this is a this goes all the way back to the eighties. This is all George Lucas because when he yeah. when he was securing the licensing rights to the movie and he gave the licensing rights to Fox, 
he maintained the merchandising rights. And at the time, there was no culture of making an action figure for every character in your movie. So Fox was like, yeah, fuck you. Sure, you can have the merchandising rights. What are you going to do, make 20 bucks off of some lunchboxes? And now the the modern action figure culture and collectible culture is kind of George Lucas's fault. So <laughs> the best way to get new information about Star Wars projects before they come out is from leaks of toys. And it has always been this way. It has been this I way. I love that. Since, so chaotic. It is. It's been this way since the prequel movies were coming out. I used to remember in the mornings when I was in like elementary school with my dad looking at Star Wars news websites and they'd be like, do 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 here's a news alert we got some leaked toys we know eight characters that look like this are going to be in revenge of the sith so <laughs> here's our toy i love that for uh Star looking at Wars. jar jar action figures like oh boy <laughs> another one so we got an action figure leak for some characters that are going to be in jedi survivor nothing th- in the jedi survivor again this is the sequel to star wars jedi fallen order that stars uh twink cal kestis he's does jedi stuff uh i don't know and the one of the leaked action figures is a battle droid from the prequel movies, and he's got like fun paint job and stuff. So what we've learned from this is that there will be at least one battle droid in Star Wars Jedi colon survive. <laughs> I love that you you sought that out. I and I yeah yeah I know. And I think also think that's so interesting. I think you can almost make an argument for this with like. Okay, this is going to be really ridiculous. Please but go for it. So in recent years, uh, makeup brand ColourPop, yeah, uh, yeah, which is known for like its i like its intellectual property collaborations. I remember they got, when they like, did the Animal Crossing one. Yeah, yeah, they got they got shit like that like every week. They're kind of like the Shein of makeup. It's honestly oh. kind of disconcerting <laughs> how much shit they crank out. But so they they have this Star Wars collection. They started a couple years ago with Baby Yoda, oh. and then with the Mandalorian, and then they added some like Boba Fett stuff. And I don't know if that came before or after Boba Fett, but oh, interesting. What I'm trying to say is I, I think the I think the legacy has continued on. I love that. Even, yeah, you're like oh, you're like I see that Jar Jar eyeshadow palette. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Like, I see that. I see those earth tones. You're like, now what's this Boba Fett palette doing here? They haven't announced a Boba Fett TV show. Yeah, yet. exactly. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> the Star Wars, the the uh, the Knights of the Old Republic color pop makeup palette is gonna drop in like six years, and people are gonna oh be like, God, oh. Stop. <laughs> oh, oh shit. <laughs> fucking hate that but i love that. i do own the baby yoda eyeshadow palette i must I love uh, that. fully disclose it's very good is it just greens um it's mostly greens okay and then a white sparkle a tan sparkle and a silver sparkle Interesting. there's nine colors the rest are just like greens are they greens. are they named do they have like yeah oh, okay. yeah like there's there's like a tan sparkle thing i think it's named tatooine oh, that's and like cute. there's like yeah even and though the, I don't think Baby Yoda's ever been to Tatooine. But... I know, it doesn't really make much sense. But then there's like one that's like soup. Is it like the bowl of soup he's holding? Yeah. It's kind of like a okay. earth tony green. That's true. And then there's one called like the child. It's Wait, it's, it's all right. Baby Yoda has been to Tatooine. I apologize. Not real Star Wars. Story. I know. I remembered that there were a couple card of, revokes. I remember that there were a couple episodes of the Boba Fett show that inexplicably had Baby Yoda in them and that took place on Tatooine. So yeah, Whoops. I like how they had an entire color just dedicated to the soup. Yeah, that's yeah. I love that. Love that attention to detail. What's that Adam Driver meme that's kind of old now, where he's like, "Good soup." <laughs> 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 I 
All right. I, that's enough Star Wars shit. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> I mean, speaking of cute shit. There we go. Um, There is this new Animal Crossing-like game coming out for PC and all consoles, actually, on September 27th called Hoko Life, if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Hoko Life. Mm-hmm. I think it's Hoko Life. But basically, if you look at like the trailer for this, this game is astonishingly like Animal Crossing. Like you are a person, villager, in a village full of talking animals. You get to fish, very similar fishing mechanic. The world seems like it's kind of round when you're walking around on it. Um, but one thing that really makes it interesting is the farming mechanic. Mm-hmm. And like I know Animal Crossing introduced a little bit of this uh, in the last year. But the farming mechanic actually reminds me a bit of Harvest Moon and actually goes above and beyond and is probably the most realistic farming mechanic I've ever seen in one of these types of games. Hmm. Um, so, like, you're, you're towing, you do, like, three little squares of dirt per, like, hoeing or, or sorry, of tilling, um, which is very much like Rune Factory or, or Harvest Moon. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, but then there's tractors. You can like there's tractors in in the trailer. Yeah. Of the of the game. So I guess you might be able to use a tractor. And then there's one scene where like all these types of like farming sim games. You know how you have to like you have to really tediously use your watering can and individually water every single yeah. little square. It's it's like the most annoying shit ever. In this game, you got irrigation systems. You have like PVC pipes. That connect to like each thing and like like water. Cool. Um, and it's interesting. That's like a real nitty gritty like farming thing, like an irrigation system. I was Um, watching the trailer while you were talking about it, and this does kind of look like the the game you would get ads for on like the side of a page that try to make you think it's Animal Crossing. You know, like click here to come to Animal Town or something like that. You know. Yeah. But it's interesting, um, just for the farming mechanics alone. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I don't know by how this. I don't know, I don't know how compelled I am by this. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like the farming sim world has no signs of slowing down. I mean, Harvestella, which is Square Enix's farming sim, which is very similar to Rune Factory, mm-hmm. is also coming out this fall. So it's it's a cozy girl fall. I'll just say. It also looks like this Polygon article that was lovingly written up by Toussaint Egan. Um, also says that the game is going to have like lots of customization elements. Toussaint writes, yeah. the game allows the player the freedom to customize and reposition their furniture with intricate design tools via mm-hmm. the game's workshop. And you kind of see this in the trailer. There's like a Moai head just like on a grid for some reason. And I couldn't really tell you what's happening in this image, but... I mean, it kind of reminds me of the Animal Crossing like interior design mode. We can yeah. like move shit and like... In Animal Crossing, it would be totally fine to have an Easter Island statue. It totally in the would. Room. It totally would. That's you know. I'm I'm so, intrigued by this. This is I, I'm intrigued yeah. by this. Um, and I just wonder. I wonder how it'll look compared to Animal Crossing with these types of games. You're totally <clears> right. Where it looks like one of those ad games that you get yeah. like on a banner and some like blog site. So I wonder how like fucked up it's gonna be on day one. Oh yeah. It oh, seems yeah. like it has jank potential. It does have but... jank potential as long as it doesn't have like. Uh, too much jank or like forced microtransactions then like i'm sure oh, it'll no. be fine i was just thinking about that i was like i hope it's not like oh you want to grow some crops that costs 12 dollars. i yeah i don't know it, it's i don't know if that's mm. quite as prevalent in games as it was a couple of years ago but like 
there's still a fair bit of that in games of like the boy you know you could do this all naturally in game but just think of how much faster it would be if you paid ten dollars like i don't know i don't know know. yeah i'm into it though i i'm into it though i i like these cozy games so what is what is this next thing this next thing you've got on this google doc okay um this is not really gaming news it is sort of news if you haven't heard or seen any of this on your tiktok for you page I desperately want to talk about the person I keep seeing on TikTok who is making a custom Mazda Miata that has a Wii built into it. <laughs> He's calling it the Wiata. This is TikTok user at TTPTNG. I'm looking this up. This motherfucker is turning a 1995 Miata into a, a Frankenstein's monster that includes chunks of it that are just a from a Nintendo Wii. So... Each TikTok I've seen, uh, he just, like, picks a piece and is like, I'm going to turn this into something involving the Wii. So, like, easy stuff, sure. He replaced the steering wheel with a custom steering wheel that hooks on that is literally just a Wii wheel that he can use as a real-life steering wheel in his Miata. Um, Also, okay, he took out the radio because it's a car from 95, so you can take out the CD radio, and he put a Wii in there. So the intent is that eventually he could hook a screen up and play Mario Kart in his car. Sure. Um, The most recent one I saw was that he removed the emergency brake handle and replaced it with a Wii remote that you have to hold down the B button trigger in order to properly lift up and down. It's fucking incredible. This is a real car this man can drive. He has posted videos of him driving it with the Wii wheel. Oh my god. I, I'm looking it up. I am in love the, with this. The fucking stick being like a, a, a nunchuck? Yes. I... Yeah, the gear shift is a nunchuck. And it's crazy because people will comment stuff like, LOL, turn the gear shift into a Wii remote. And then he will just like respond to that with a video of him like in his garage like s- taking apart a Wii remote, taking out the circuit board, and then hot like gluing it together, soldering on the pieces he needs, and then securing it into his Miata. It is crazy. I am absolutely in love with it. It's the kind of like perfectly unhinged shit that I think TikTok excels at. That is like mm-hmm. you've not subscribed to this person. TikTok purely based on the fact that it knows I like video games is like you want to watch minute long videos of this man dismembering his Mazda Miata and sticking a Wii in it for some reason. I love it so much. <laughs> that is probably the best thing I've seen on TikTok in a very long time. Yeah. Every time I go on TikTok, I get recommended Tradwife content and it's Tra- really sad. Oh no. Oh no. I don't know. It it I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that or just like just like annoying people. I just really hate like the things that TikTok promotes as like, oh, this is so viral because it's hashtag comedy. It's yeah. like the worst shit. So your algorithm is better than mine. I saw this TikTok a few days ago where this guy made a completely clean account and was trying to see how fast he could speed run going down the alt-right pipeline. And he was like, I'm Uh-oh. just going to scroll and like videos and we're going to see how long it takes for me to get a Ben Shapiro video. And it took him an hour, uh, one hour of liking videos that like the first one he got was one about like what women look for in men that was like a borderline incel shit and over the course of that next hour eventually he ended up with like ben shapiro and jordan peterson and it was like damn there's definitely some not so hot shit going on on this platform but 
you oh, know, absolutely. TikTok knows me well enough to not serve me up reactionary right wing content and instead feed me. Here's a man putting a video game console in his computer or in his, his computer in his car. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck it's giving me. Can you talk to me a little bit about this something to do with the PS5 and some feature being discontinued? Yeah, so apparently the PS5 had this feature that literally nobody used, and so they're discontinuing it. And as someone who has had a PS5 um, for over a year, I had no idea this existed, which says a lot. Um, Basically, Sony is discontinuing this feature called accolades. Basically, the best way I can describe accolades is, have you ever, like, gone on LinkedIn and someone has, like, commended you yeah. for a skill? Yeah. You're like, Josh is great at Photoshop. What a great person to have in the office. So can I can I jump online and be like, Tori's so good at Kingdom Hearts. Tori's great at Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, so, except it's anonymous, and oh. the whole thing is to promote sportsmanship and being polite to each other when gaming. And so, if let's say you do like a match in like an apex with someone, okay, and you're like, this this is a cool dude. He was very nice. You can like go to like hmm. his profile, go to some fucking unreachable menu I've never seen before in my life, <laughs> and be like, this guy was a solid a team player. Huh. Accolade. Be like, J- Jimmy has such good aim. He rules. I love him. Yeah, and it's you can like earn badges. From these accolades and and things like that. It's very weird. It sounds cool. And it sounds cool, but the main two questions I have is, first of all, some of these games have systems like this. Like, uh, Overwatch has a, like, system for rewarding people for not being shitty to each other. Right? I I don't play Overwatch, but I know this is a thing. Um, And then the other thing is just, like, they made it so out of your way. I, like, had to, I, I looked at an article about it, and I was like, how the fuck do you even get to accolades? I had to, like, Google it, and it was, like, behind a menu, behind a menu, and I was like, beh- like, there was menus that I haven't even seen. I was like, what is this? Um, so, first of all, they made it, like, hard to, to reach. Um, one of the articles I read, the headline was, Sony is discontinuing a feature because no one used it because no one knew where it was. <laughs> Which just shows how ridiculous it is. Um, and the other thing, just from like a cultural standpoint, what's in it for the player to get these accolades? Like, I don't, it doesn't seem like they are redeemable into like PSN awards or like, I, I, I don't really get the the incentive here just to get like yeah. badges, like to get badges for not being a dick? I guess I can Have like, you met gamers? I guess I can <laughs> see like if they had properly pushed this and then like integrated it in with enough games, it could have been kind of cool. Like I I don't know, but I feel like it would have to be so specific. Like Johnny is good at Apex is not interesting, but like X smoke weed every day 420 XXX was really good at building in Fortnite would be like an interesting thing to get one upped on, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Interesting concept and clearly did not do well. This all brings um, me back to my overarching theory that I will talk to to anybody who is willing to listen that the last time the PlayStation consoles had a good UI, it was the cross media bar. The fucking XMB 
that they used for the PSP and the PS3 was such a great way to lay out a UI. And like they were using it kind of as their consistent thing for a minute. Like the the PSP had it, the PS3 had it. They used it on, they introduced it onto some Vio laptops. And then when the Vita came out, they started pushing this new thing. And now every console since has had like a totally different UI layout. And I hate it. Mm -hmm. I wish we would just go back to the cross media bar. It looked so good. It made sense to me. It was just like an X axis and a Y axis. And it was like, if you want to, if you want to go to the games tab, you go to games and then you go up and down and that's where all the game stuff is. Like the PS4 has such a garbage layout. And from what I've seen, and the PS5 is, is kind of janky. Like the system of like, exiting apps and then clicking the apps yeah. and then closing the apps and it just is a lot i would so much rather that the the whole like quote-unquote app process is completely obscured to me because that kind of thing only makes I, I like that kind of thing if it's a computer and if something freezes i can open up the task manager and then like see everything like i want that to be completely obscured from me i do not want i don't want to see like this thing is not responding would you no i don't want to see any of that shit like i hate that yeah it does the ps5 does feel a little bit like a computer Mm -hmm. in that way um not my my favorite ui honestly it makes me like the the switches which is literally just like title cards of like games and it's very elementary yeah it's very netflixy and i honestly like that i will honestly never forgive nintendo though for like eliminating the cool music that they had on their like menus and stuff you know, like remember when the Wii had like cool atmospheric music for every single fucking yeah, menu the, and app? But even like even like the home menu had that cool like spacey sound and like the yeah. settings had music like everything sounds almost sound. like wind chimes vaguely. It, the Wii did. Yeah, it was like it was like Brian Eno's music for airports. It was like music for video game console menus that the people at Nintendo just like labored over. And it was incredible. And then they brought it back for the 3DS. And then the Switch comes out and it's just like eerie silence on every menu. Yeah, you get little boop boop sounds and you click on the And I like the boop boops, but I wish the boop boops were accompanied by like cool ambient music. (laughs) This is why like when they came out with that like Mario All-Stars limited edition game, Mm -hmm. which is dumb. That was dumb. Was yeah, sidebar. Edition. That was I mean, dumb. I, I, I own it, and you know people are selling that on eBay for two hundred dollars. So in case I'm ever in a pinch, um, people can't see I this on I video, but I that. just, I just flicked off the screen to, to, to <laughs> say a personal fuck you to the people who are reselling this for lots of money. It's so dumb. It's literally like, like ports of like there's you can still play Super Mario sixty four on the Nintendo Switch online. So it's, it's so dumb. But um, that game. When you buy it, like at least the physical copy, I don't know about the digital, but it comes with the soundtracks of all those games, yeah. but you can't, you only play it while you're like in the main menu of the game. I hate that. Before you select which Mario game you want to play. Mm-hmm. And it was, it'd be so much better if like as a reward for buying that game, you were able to like install Mario music yeah. in your like Switch home screen. It would just make so much sense. I was gonna say the inverse of that though is do you remember that feature they added to Smash Ultimate that was like you can put your Switch on sleep mode and you can listen to the music and then carry your Switch around like it's a big MP3 player. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> do you want to listen to the Super Smash Brothers remix of Bloody Tears from Castlevania? That's awesome. Stick it in your purse and treat your Switch like a MP3 player. 
I love that. that. I love how aggressively 2005 that I is. I know. It's like, it's like you know those TikToks where somebody walks up and they're like, what are you listening to? It's like, what if somebody did that and you like, you took your headphone off. You pulled your switch out of your purse or your tote bag and you were like, I'm listening to the menu music from Super Smash Brothers Brawl for the Wii. <laughs> fucking masterpiece honestly that, that one is. i put i put truly an ungodly amount of hours into super smash brothers brawl and i can still me like, too i can still like hear that music in my dreams if i yeah if I me think too that enough. that music is like literally like in like in my brain yeah it's like burned into somewhere in my frontal <laughs> lobe like absolutely <laughs> so what are you playing dude what am i playing i'm playing some good shit um i want to start off by saying I mentioned maybe like five, ten episodes ago that I bricked my Nintendo 3DS, and it was a very sad moment for me. Um, yeah. I I maybe potentially have custom firmware on my Nintendo 3DS that maybe potentially allows me to play games that I have downloaded off the internet legally that I spent money on, mind you, maybe. Of course. For the most part. Um, And the big thing that they warn you about when you put custom firmware on your 3ds is that like at any time it might just like brick and you'll be unable to use it and what i mean by bricking is like i was playing a pokemon rom hack one day and then i hit the home button to leave and then i turned my 3ds off and tried to turn it back on and the backlight led came on and nothing else came on like the screen was dead yeah and that's when you know when that kind of thing happens like i was able to take the sd card that the custom firmware is loaded onto out and boot it up like that and that was like mostly okay it was still being a little slow but i would have had to have like completely formatted my sd card and completely done all that from square one again and i i don't know i was like i really don't want to do this so this happened like two months ago fast forward to this past weekend and I was like, I'm going to turn my 3DS on. I like saw it while I was cleaning some other stuff. And I was like, oh, hey, my 3DS. Let me see if I can get this to work. So I turned it on and I was going to let it just sit and run the battery down so that I could charge it all the way from and maybe thought maybe like maybe a clean battery reset would make it run a little nicer. So I turned my 3DS on. I walk away. I come back like 10 minutes later. It's up. Mm-hmm. The whole menu is up and it is working oh just my fine. God. So uh, initially when it busted, I was like, you know what? I got that 3DS at launch. I like I picked that up the night the 3DS dropped. So oh, yeah. it, I got 10 years of game time out of it. And like I would be interested to look at the activity thing. I think I can do that on my 3DS to see like how many hours I've played that console. Like that was my main console for a while. Like I, I've had home consoles at the same time, but like the 3DS is such a special little console and I really love it. And especially since, I guess, consider this your reminder that the eShop is shutting down in the not-too-distant future, and it's about to completely remove the opportunity to legally purchase a lot of incredible and exclusive games. But it's got such a good library, so in celebration of it being, like, awakened again and able to use, I messed with, like, the first hour or two of uh, Dragon Quest VII on the 3DS, This is the remake that was released on the 3DS for the PlayStation 1 Dragon Quest game, the seventh one. And it was, I was not really vibing with it. I really love the Dragon Quest series. I've played eight and nine to completion and then most of four and a good chunk of three. And I, I like really enjoy the Dragon Quest games. I find them to be like 
I don't know. They are they are so so cozy. Uh, I think we, you mm-hmm. and I have talked about this. Like for for listeners who are unaware, Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy are like two ships that continually pass each other in the night. They they both kick up around the eighties. Final Fantasy is developed by SquareSoft. Dragon Quest is developed by Enix. The two are constantly pushing the JRPG series forward. Final Fantasy in its constant innovation and like developing totally new off-the-wall battle systems and storytelling techniques and Dragon Quest in its ability to basically do the same thing but like better and better every single time and that's not to that's a little generalizey that's a little reductive it's not like the same story every single time but like the battle system in every Dragon Quest game is like functionally the same and that's like that's one big way that JRPG series is kind of innovate as they go from thing to thing so I love Dragon Quest very much, and I was kind of bummed that Dragon Quest Seven was not really, like, vibing with me, and I was in a, the used video game store near me, and I found, finally, a used copy of Dragon Quest Eleven for the Nintendo Switch, which I'm nice. pleased to say I am fucking adoring. This game is wonderful. So you're you're in it. In I'm it. in it. I'm in it in it. Because last time you're playing something like this, you're trying you're trying out three houses, fire up mm-hmm. three houses, and you're like, I'm kind of in yeah. it. But uh, but now you're like in. Something. I'm like in Dragon Quest Eleven. I okay. I I played the demo for this game on the Switch back when they put a demo out for it, and I was like, wow, yeah. I love this so much. But I didn't really have sixty bucks at the time to just like casually drop on a game. So I've been wanting to get this for a while. I've wanted to get this game ever since it was like first announced because, um, Dragon Quest Nine was a DS game that did not sell super well in America. So when Dragon yeah. Quest Ten which is the MMORPG. It is the equivalent to Final Fantasy XIV in Japan. Let's say it's like Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. yeah. When X launched, it did not release in the U.S. And it still hasn't released in the U.S. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah, there's been a... There's even an offline version of X that is in the works now. And there's been people, like, begging for it to be released in the U.S. And it still has not. So when Eleven was announced... It was announced as um, two games. It was going to be a next-gen PlayStation 4, all the big, cool new consoles, the NX at the time, and then it was going to be a 3DS game. And the 3DS game was going to be 2D, like your classic SNES Dragon Quest games, and the other one was going to be 3D, like the final product we got. And there was, like, real fear from American and, like, Western Dragon Quest fans that it was not going to get localized because of how poorly 9 sold. And they were just going to say, because it's... uh. Even Square Enix nowadays, like, they've reached a point where they pretty much localized most of their stuff. It's not like an Atlas situation. Mm -hmm. But, like, this was still in the period where, like, a big name thing like a Dragon Quest might not get localized. And sure enough, they brought it over. What ended up happening was the, the 3DS version that released in Japan was Japan exclusive. But the 2D element of the 3DS game got collapsed into the international release of the Switch version. So the Switch version gives you the opportunity to switch back and forth, switch back and forth at key moments from the 3D next-gen look to the 2D, like, really lovingly crafted um, SNES mode. And it's really cool. That is so cool. Oh, it's just, it's such a, you know when, you know when a game that's part of a long series comes out and it feels like its own thing, but also like a love letter to the series as a whole? Like, yeah. that's how this feels. It It is just such a it looks beautiful it is 
the Dragon Quest series in the same way that like Final Fantasy has like chocobos and stuff in every game, like they have a lot of the same monsters in every single game. And they're like the coolest designs that were created by Akira Toriyama in the 80s. And th- to see them realized in such like beautiful 3D, and this is not the first Dragon Quest game to have like a fully 3D environment, Dragon Quest VIII on the PS2, which is like another incredible entry point into that series, um, also has this. But I don't know, I'm loving Eleven. I'm only like a couple hours into it. I actually have not made it far enough in yet to surpass where I was in the demo when I played it the first time because that game has like mm-hmm. a famously long demo. But um, but yeah, I'm adoring it. I absolutely love it. And for for people who have been kind of like on the fence about trying a Dragon Quest game, I I seriously recommend Eleven. I think it's it's got a very beginner friendly JRPG system and a really good on ramp for the story and stuff. Yeah, that sounds sick. I've never played Dragon Quest, but this one definitely is piquing my interest now. It's, it's real pretty. And then pretty. finally, you've been playing some multiverses? I am playing multiverses, yes. So, um, yeah, I actually had started playing it when we recorded our last episode, back when it was in closed beta, but I had not played it long enough to really have any kind of thoughts about it, so I was like, I'm going to wait. Um, it's in open beta now. And it's easier to get access to. But when it was in closed beta, the, one of the ways to get a beta code was to watch a person streaming the game on Twitch for an hour. And then you would get a beta code. So when I was at work one day, I pulled up the Turkish WB Multiverses stream, muted it, and just left it open in the background. And I got a code. I will say this about Multiverses. It's kind of fun. It, it, uh, it feels like the most scummy idea imaginable. But, like, <laughs> the characters at least don't feel like one-to-one recreations of Smash characters. You know you know how a lot of, like, Smash ripoffs will be like, this is Captain Falcon, or this is Fox. Like, there's a mm. lot of that. This one at least doesn't feel 100% like that. There are definitely animations that you're like, oh, that's literally just Captain Falcon's knee. Like, mm, I, I've been playing it, too. Have you? Um, yeah, I have. Um, and there are certain things like when you are damaged enough and someone like wails on you and you fly to the far right or far left upper corner of the screen, I'm like, that's some smash shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean you know? they they are pulling like the percentage meter and the it's very strange to me that like the thing these kinds of games take from Smash is like the key competitive elements. And then, but they don't take the party elements. And I think the the party elements Mm. are what would appeal to the age group that I think they are mainly targeting with this game. Then again, I have no fucking clue who the target audience is for this game. Because for every character that's in it, like Finn and Jake from Adventure Time, you have like Arya Stark from Game of Thrones or Rick from Rick and Morty. It's like, who the fuck is the target audience for this game? (laughs) Yeah, I I guess the target audience is us because yeah. we grew up with um, Adventure Time and Steven Universe came out during our teenage yeah. years, but we're also old enough to have watched Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's so true. So I guess I guess we I guess are it's the us, audience. Yeah. I guess it's us. Um, but it doesn't always quite stick the landing. Uh, another um, another weird thing about this game too is that the the way the character roster works it reminds me sort of like Apex Legends where it's like you have a starter set of characters you can play as, but there's also like a bigger roster of characters that you can buy with in-game currency that you can get in-game. But rather than having like your main crew of characters you start unlocked with, it cycles on like a a monthly basis or a two-weekly basis, something like that. Like 
when I yeah. when I was playing the initial closed beta, I had access to Jake, and I like really was enjoying playing as Jake. And then I booted it up last week, and I no longer had access to Jake. And like, okay, now I have access to Superman. That was cool, but it's like, it's a little tough for. You know, one part of Smash, at least if you're leaning more on, like, the competitive end, which, judging by how this game plays online, that's kind of what they're aiming towards, you, like, you oh, for sure. you develop a main. Like, you have a set of characters you're really good with. And it's a little scummy to be like, hey, you're playing the game. Didn't you enjoy playing as Batman? Well, it's been a week. You gotta fork over money if you want to keep playing as Batman. <laughs> yeah, I think that's shitty. I think when you buy a game or, like, acquire a game yeah. in general all of the characters or at least like you know at smash like there are a roster of like six to 12 characters that you get and then as you play through story mode mm-hmm. you unlock them you know but having to like pay additional money for yeah. each character is dumb i'm i'm fine with i'm fine with like dlc new characters but like well i mean i was gonna say yeah smash we paid 60 bucks for multiverses is free and it's gonna be free so like i understand that They'd have to make money somewhere, I guess. But are you enjoying it? Like, are you having fun with it? Um, I, I, okay, this is such, this is such like a vibey, like non-objective thing to say. Yeah. Multiverses feels a little too cool. Like, it feels a little (laughs) too slick. Interesting. To me, like, there's something kind of crunchy about Smash. Mm Mm-hmm. Even Smash for, like, the Nintendo Switch. That's true. Especially Melee, you know, yeah. Yeah, oh, Melee's crunchy as fuck. And, um, I don't know. Like, some of the movements are a little too fluid for me. I don't know. Like, um, that... One thing I do like about this combat, though, is that you don't have to be an experienced fighting game player to do some, like, somewhat sophisticated combos. Like, triangle left, square right, like, whatever. And you can do some cool shit, whereas I feel like in Smash, you have to, like, really get into a character yeah. and, like, really start, like, memorizing combinations, whereas the way it's presented in the tutorial, you are already kind of forced to start doing that, and it's just a lot more easy to do some some cool shit. So I do like that, actually, a little more than Smash. Yeah. Um, I also like the skins. Yeah, the skins I will are say, cute. and that's something people are paying money for. But, like, in Smash, the only skins are just, like, different colors of the same outfit. The or, like, part, you can yeah. be a red Yoshi or a green Yoshi. And it's like, okay. Um, but this one, there's, like, whole entire new outfits. Yeah. So, like, for example, if you play as Jake, his other skin is Cake, his female mm-hmm. counterpart. And I think that's super cute. Or, for example, I my main was uh, Garnet. Okay. And her skin is when she is like Ruby and um, whoever Ruby is fused with. Sapphire, right? Sapphire. Like the Pokemon yeah. Games? Yeah. yeah. Um, they're kind of like still combining. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really cool. So I I love the I love the look of the characters. Yeah. I think the combos are cool. I think it's a, I just... it's a feat to be able to take characters that are so disparate looking like Bugs Bunny and Arya Stark and get them to like look like they belong in the Come same place. To, like a medium. Yeah. yeah and like artistically. that is really cool. Smash kind of revels in the ability that like it looks funny that Solid Snake is beating up Sonic the Hedgehog. But, like, this game yeah, does a pretty good true. job of, like, meshing them into one uniform art style. And, like, is it a little cynical? Yeah. But it, it actually does look kind of neat. Like, I, I do kind of yeah, like look, it. It looks fluid. Yeah. I'm, I do love Smash in the way that, like, um, like 
Bowser can just like choke out Kirby yeah. or whatever. Like that's funny. Um, that like juxtaposition, but something like Arya Stark, who's like a live action character, or, or LeBron James, who is a man, who's a fucking person. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I get that you have to kind of like bring them yeah. up to like some sort of medium of of animation yeah. versus real life. <laughs> um, so it's cool. It feels slightly corporate. Oh yeah. I don't know how oh, to yeah. really describe that. Um, it feels like every character yeah. that was added was decided by a group of people who were sitting around a table in a boardroom with like a list of the IP they own. You know, like, all yeah, right, well, sure. we can add Batman. Do we also want to add Wonder Woman and Superman? Oh, I don't know. I mean, are we gonna add that many more DC characters down the line, or how many people do you how many people do you think like Batman? And they like crunch some numbers on a calculator and they're like, yeah, let's add Batman to this game. <laughs> Yeah, it feels a little focus grouped, but it it seems like fun. Um and but honestly, I will say I, we played it for a few hours. Jesse and I played like 2 versus 2, mm-hmm. and we got to a point where he was like, "Do you want to keep playing this?" and I was like, "Honestly, I'd rather play Fall Guys." <laughs> You're still on that Fall Guys train. Let's go. Listen, I'm fucking obsessed with Fall Guys. They have new tournaments every week. Mm-hmm. They have one called Yeetus where your job is to like throw yourself as far as possible. Interesting. Like eating yourself. Yeah. Like I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like a I'm like a slut for Fall Guys now. I love that. I spent like I've spent fifteen dollars of real money buying outfits for it. It's like really embarrassing. I love that for you, honestly. Yeah. So. I um one more thing I want to say about multiverses. One thing I really like is that unlike Smash, where you know there are different character expertises, I suppose there are characters that have more range styles. There are characters like Captain Falcon, Ganondorf, those types that are, like, really up in your face. This game has, like, entire support characters. Characters whose, like, entire... That are made to be used in the 2v2. And, like, maybe they're a little funky in 1v1. But, like, the the weird dog thing that they created has, like, that lasso ability that can, like, pull your character. Or I think Wonder Woman has the same ability that can, like, pull your characters or your teammate back onto the stage after they've fallen off like i think it's a really unique idea to have characters that are specifically support characters in an arena fighting game like this like yeah I thought that's and what really i was cool. looking at was um one potential example of this Arya stark mm-hmm. um i have not played as Arya, and i've not played anyone who has been Arya. Oh, but i was listening to waypoint and uh renata price was saying that she really enjoys Arya. Mm-hmm. Because Arya doesn't actually do much damage if you're like head on head, like hitting someone. Yeah. She's has she has needle. She has a weak yeah. ass little sword, but she does these backstabbing like sneak attacks, mm-hmm. and I can imagine that being really hard in a one v one. Yeah, but like in a two v two, like if you're going head on with someone, you're I don't know LeBron James, and <clears throat> your teammate is Arya, she can just like weave around, pop out the back, and like backstab someone with needle, and that actually does a lot of damage. Yeah. So, huh. although Renata said that she actually got great joy out of doing 1v1s with Arya because it was a challenge, but that's just, I think she just really likes making fighting games as hard as possible for herself. Well, some people do, but I think Arya might be a good example of a, like, player two character. Can I, uh, can I share briefly, uh, Renata Price, who is all, can I just say Renata Price, Waypoint host, is so cool. I, ho- I wish Renata Price would come on our podcast, um. 
Renata Price, if you are free. Renata, please. if you're listening, can you come on our podcast? Um, Renata tweeted the other day, playing multiverses makes me understand why that guy shot Batman's parents. <laughs> and then continues in this thread and says, they call him Superman because he sure does hand out a lot of Cal L's. And then adds, there should be a Ooh. there should be a government agency that assassinates Superman players. <laughs> and so me, I really like playing as Superman. But um, oh, I commented and said I really like playing as Superman. And yeah, you're right. And Renata said, how does it feel to get free aerial command grabs? And it's true. Superman literally has he just fucking grabs people in midair. You can just like jump up to people, grab them, and throw them up, which is like super fucking broken. That's busted. It's so That's busted. busted. You know what's also busted? Iron Giant. Yeah. I like. I get that he's the Iron Giant, so he's supposed to be like big. It would make no sense if Iron Giant was like the same size as LeBron. Yeah. Because he'd just be like, just play, just play in the NBA. Iron yeah. Giant. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> but his size he's like 20 feet tall yeah. and the way he can just he literally picks you up like you're a toddler who's been screaming too much in the grocery yeah. store you ever seen like a toddler at the grocery store having a fucking meltdown yes. and the parents just pick him up like a stack of books and just head out the door uh-huh. and you just feel so bad for that parent iron giant does that to like anyone yeah and it's and like i'm like i'm garnet or I'm Jake, and I'm trying to wriggle free from the grasp of of Iron Giant, and it's really hard. It's very funny Um, because it's like, you know, Ridley didn't get added to Smash for so long because they were like, Ridley's too big, Ridley's too big, but then they like managed to size him down to be normal. It's like somebody on staff on Multiverses was like, no, Iron Giant's too big, and they were like, yeah, he's too big, and we're going to keep him too big, and people were just going to have to deal with that. (laughs) He just like fucking steps on you. Like, it's just crazy. I don't know if you actually get damage from being stepped on by Iron Giant, but it seems like he would just step on He's also a character that, like, the whole point of the movie he was in was that, like, you know, pacifism. And, like, I I don't know if... Oh, it's been a long time since I saw the Iron Giant. I don't know if pacifism was the specific message of that movie, but, like... Definitely not pro Yeah, it definitely wasn't, like, pro-beat-the-shit-out-of-LeBron-James. Yeah, Iron... (laughs) (laughs) Episode title. (laughs) Iron Giant beats the shit out of LeBron James. There we go, there we go. Um... So that's all I've been playing. We've already gotten into how you're playing multiverses. Uh, what else are you playing? Um, really, besides that, um, and the occasional Fall Guys, yeah. but um, I've been getting really into Hollow Knight. Mm-hmm. I think I've like made some decent headway into the game. Yeah, I've like activated the three dreamers. Um, I'm exploring a place that is uh to the right of the resting grounds. It's called like Kings something. Mm-hmm. Um. And I have the dream nail. I am trying to get the dream cloak where you can, like, send yourself through these black barriers. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting. The lore is... I'm starting to understand the lore a little bit more and why, like, the crossroads are infected. It's just, it's very, like... It's, I like how I'm picking up the lore as I, as I come along. It's very cool. Yeah. I love the combat. I found this place. Here's my latest obsession in Hollow Knight. I found this Colosseum yes. place oh my God. where you can like pay some money, like just beat the shit out of a ton of like enemies you've encountered in the world already. Yeah. You get so much money back if you win and like I love that high risk, high reward. Yeah. So I've been I've been making bank doing these tournaments. I'm about to do like my third. So I, I've been really enjoying it. Just the atmosphere. This game is magical. Um the atmosphere, the how you Anytime you enter a new world, you can tell the map maker is there because he does this little hum. He goes, 
Mm-hmm. You're yeah. like, where are you, motherfucker? You can like, you know, he's around. Yeah. Give me that map. Yeah. <laughs> I need that map right now. I'm so lost. I really like to. Um, um, I looked. I, I looked it. it up because I wasn't sure. I thought maybe the Colosseum was originally uh, DLC that was added later, but apparently it was not. But it was a Kickstarter stretch goal that was added in because enough people donated. They were like, yeah, we're gonna add a Colosseum in. So. Thank you if you're listening to this and you donated to the Hollow Knight Kickstarter because it's thanks to you that Tori got the cool Coliseum she loves very much. Yeah, I, I'm i a big fan of it. So, yeah, yeah I've just been exploring that. I, I'm trying to find some pale ore mm-hmm. to, like, strengthen my my nail. Uh, haven't been able to, but, yeah, it's it's been a blast. I love a, love a good Metroid baby. Isn't it nuts how much the combat changes later, the like, the further you get into the game? Yeah, yeah, it's it crazy how much it evolves. Like, it's so much fun. Yeah, true masterclass of an indie game. Absolutely, especially when you, like when you get the double jump, and then when you get like the hold down Y to do like the spin ability. Like, oh my god, it turns into like a totally different game, and it feels so good. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's uh, that's mm-hmm. pretty much. That's everything that we've been playing, but we did get a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I do think we, I do think I know the person who left this review, but I still think we should read it out loud because it's very cute. Tori, do you want to read the review? Sure. It says, "Can't get enough." Five stars. I've been binging this podcast for the past month while working at the worst job known to man. Known to man. Tori and Noah give an authentic perspective on the latest in games, and it's so refreshing to hear Jolly Good Show. So by Kaka Kakali. So again Exclamation This point. is a reminder if you're listening to the show, please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're listening on. If you leave us an especially nice or especially mean, I guess, review, we will totally read it on the show. Um, shout out to listener Kali. Please text me and tell me about this job that you're working because I want to hear more about this. So, um, yeah, that's that's that. Thank you for listening. Um, Tori, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me, unfortunately, on <clears throat> Twitter at Tori underscore as underscore always. I'm on Twitter too, baby. Hell site, uh, Noah underscore hertz spelled h-u-r-t-s the podcast is on twitter at press underscore start pod we both have access to it and we both just tweet and share unhinged shit on there sometimes and it's really fun i have a i have a lot of fun with that um our music and sound effects on this show are from the artist geist you can listen to more of their music at n-o-a-h-g-e-i-s-t dot bandcamp dot com our show arts by kai at wisp graphics all of our gaming news free range is sourced by Tori and I, and I produce the show. And I think that's about it. Thank you very much for listening. Tori, you can go back to playing Fall Guys now. I will leave you alone for the rest of the evening. Uh, oh my God. Cap this show off. Tell, tell the listeners, tell the people, what's your favorite costume to play as in Fall Guys? I am a big fan currently of the Pusheen cat, which I did pay $10 of real life money to play as. That's so fucked up. I mean, that's cute, don't get me wrong, but you paid 10 bucks for the Pusheen cat? I don't want to fucking talk about it. (laughs) Jesse also paid IRL money to get an axolotl costume. That's pretty good, too. We're we're really cute, we're really cute. And we played duos, (laughs) yeah. You guys are the best dressed couple in Fall Guys. 
Absolutely. Pusheen, GF, Axolotl, BF. There you go. There you go. Thanks for listening.